She is six feet in spirit, if not in truth. Yeah. I actually don't know how tall she is. She just seems tall. I bet she's at least 5'10". Oh, shit. Oh, she's 5'10". <laughs> yes. 5'10 is female six feet. By that the is. Way. It actually is. <laughs> Step on Steve, Laura Dern. <laughs> I wouldn't say no to being stepped on. <laughs> no by one would say no to being stepped on by Laura Dern, Come okay? On. Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwint. And I'm Steve Parkhurst. And man. I am quivering in anticipation today. If I were a cup of water on a Ford Explorer dashboard, in fact, I would be rippling. And not just because our goddamn motherfucking upstairs neighbors are stomping their little dipshit 20-something hearts out, which they certainly are doing. It'll be interesting to see if uh, the mic picks up on their stomping around, because they are like... Uh couple of t-rexes up there just clomping about every day is moving day for these guys (laughs) i guess it's appropriate yeah it's thematically appropriate today um so that makes it all worth it that makes it all worth it because we are talking steven spielberg's 1993 crusher jurassic park which steve is this your favorite movie of all time all I'll say to that is It's right up there. It's you up know, there. it's tough. It's tough to it always depends on the mood, but it's it's one that I go back to over and over again. I've seen this conservatively 75 times, <laughs> let's say. And I also love this movie. Probably not as much as Steve because I didn't see this movie until a little later. I didn't see it right when it came out. I was about six or so. So I think I was a little young. Mm. Uh, And so it wasn't until I was kind of in my teens, I think, that I saw it for the first time. And what I did see instead was We're Back, (laughs) which was actually, this may be apocryphal. Oh. But this was, I think, Someone related to Spielberg, like a child, uh, was sad about not being able to see Jurassic Park. And uh, anyway, the story that was told to me was this was was We're Back, the animated dinosaur movie was made so that younger children could also appreciate dinosaurs. Fascinating. I didn't realize that. Interestingly, I've never seen We're Back. It's a cute little movie, but, it, you know, it's not quite... Well, but I was, as I think all little boys are, obsessed with dinosaurs from a very, very young age. Wow, this whole thing smacks of gender. <laughs> <laughs> little girls can be, too. I had an you? infectious disease phase as a child, so... What? <laughs> I got really... I, somehow, I didn't see... I think I saw Outbreak before I saw Jurassic oh, Park. Oh, you were into infectious yes. disease. Yes. I see. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's that's a relief. I had a, I had a poster up on my wall from the Weekly Reader. Did you guys have those at your we, school? No, no, we didn't. It was some kind of educational supplement that was sent out like every week. So you had a poster of outbreak of of infectious diseases. Oh, just in just the <laughs> yeah, concept of just, infectious. It was diseases? it was several different infectious diseases instead of dinosaurs. But my brother was very into dinosaurs. Again, so gender gender. Yeah, boys are into dinosaurs, girls are into infectious diseases, <laughs> as everyone knows. Sure. Fascinating. We'll we'll unpack that <laughs> one later. So I I was into dinosaurs. I had books. I could 
recite the names of like the full scientific names of dozens, if not maybe like a hundred different dinosaurs. Probably not a hundred. I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back in time and call you sure, a liar. I appreciate that, but at least <laughs> dozens for sure. I uh, had the books. Uh, I was a big Calvin and Hobbes fan, mm-hmm. and so obviously anyone who's read Calvin and Hobbes knows there are lots of dinosaur drawings mm-hmm. in those, and I loved those. And, you know, Land Before Time. Not, oh, not yeah. Not back, but yeah, Land Before yeah. Time. Oh, that was, we had those VHSs yep. for sure. I had a copy of Fantasia on VHS, and I would fast forward mm-hmm. through all of it until that, <laughs> the, di- the dinosaur <laughs> sequence. And I would just watch that one little sequence over and over again. Did you also draw dinosaurs? Oh my goodness, yes. Oh. I actually got pretty good at it. I can still draw a T-Rex pretty well, honestly. I'm, I need you to draw me a T-Rex. I'll draw you a T-Rex. Okay, great. Uh, before, after that, I did uh, evolve from dinosaurs into Godzilla, and I would draw Godzilla a lot. It's the natural progression. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, but for a very long time, I, I drew dinosaurs. T-Rex was my specialty, but I could pull off like a Triceratops, a Stegosaurus, a Stegosaurus sure. mm. Brachiosaurus, not a fucking Brontosaurus. Oh, goodness. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> those weren't real, although I guess now they might be. I don't know. I, I haven't kept up with the scientific literature. Wow. I know. I know. I've slipped. I've slipped in my old age. Anyway, we're talking Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. It's so, it's so fucking good. It's should, uh, ridiculous. Should we do a quick recap? Yeah. Who for the, the? I feel like most of these movies at this point, it's just like, do we really even need to do this? Yeah, Jurassic Park in particular feels yeah. like a. But everyone's seen this, right? Uh, right. You have to have seen it. If you haven't, it's weird that you're listening to this. <laughs> uh, but in very broad strokes, Jurassic Park is about Dr. John Hammond bringing uh, Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler to his island off the coast of Costa Rica to basically endorse the park because there's been an incident at the park and the investors are nervous. Mm-hmm. So as paleontologists and botanologists, a bot- paleobotanist, paleobotanist they are brought on for their expertise. Turns out this park is in fact a Jurassic Park. <laughs> Where uh, they have cloned dinosaurs from old uh, DNA that they found in in mosquitoes that were trapped in amber. Everything's really cool. Wow, exciting. Then they go on a tour, uh, and it's not going well. No dinosaurs are showing up. Then uh, a storm hits, and some subterfuge, some corporate espionage takes place with... Nedry uh, or Wayne Knight, Wayne Knight, Newman, it's as, Newman. As, yeah, it's, 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 it's just Newman. Newman. Nedry steals some embryos and escapes with them and tries to make it to the docks and doesn't quite make it. But uh, in the meantime, the whole park shuts down, all the fences are down, the dinosaurs escape, and everybody has to try to get back to the headquarters and get off the islands. And in the meantime, we get incredible, like incredible action sequences that don't start until an hour full hour into this movie and it's what's amazing about that is that you don't feel the absence of action quote-unquote action yeah other than that very brief prologue where the the incident happens Mm -hmm. where the velociraptor kills the worker Mm -hmm. that's kind of the only action that happens for a full hour yeah uh and and this is a two-hour movie so we're half through the halfway through the movie 
And it speaks to the craft of Spielberg, where he is able to keep you totally entertained, totally glued to your seat, even though there really aren't that many dinosaurs. There's a few. You yeah. get the Brachiosaurus. The Triceratops, the Triceratops is, is just, just lying delightful. There. Uh, but it looks, he looks great. She looks great. Yeah. Wow. Me. Wow. She looks amazing because she was there. Right. She was actually there. Yeah. Do we want to already talk about how fucking amazing the animatronics are? I'm always down to talk about how amazing the animatronics are. <laughs> because they're the reason this movie still mostly looks fucking amazing is because there's a lot of animatronics here built with insane craft and care and operated like just so well yeah it's really just like the the skill of how they operate the dinosaurs they never seem robotic however they actually designed the machinery of these dinosaurs it works like Mm -hmm. they it's very smooth how how they're operated yeah the craft that's put into like the texture of the skin and the the, eyes eyes, it's it's really all in the eyes genuinely impressive and You know, recently uh, we watched The Thing, John Carpenter's mm-hmm. The Thing, which you had never seen. I had never seen The Thing. Um, now you've seen The Thing. And now I've seen The Thing. It was, it was fucking great. And I only bring it up because it also heavily relies on actual practical Pract- effects. Mm-hmm. Just like The Thing, Jurassic Park still looks fantastic mm-hmm. because there's nothing to age. Like, it's right. all... In camera. Yeah. Not all, but... No, not... And, you know, the the CGI is looking like a little rough, but honestly, not as bad. There's stuff that's come out in the last 10 years that looks kind of as janky. Yeah. And, you know, this was almost 30 years ago at this point. Alongside the quality of the animatronics is the fact that the filmmakers did understand the limitations of their technology Mm -hmm. and didn't try to push it beyond what it could feasibly pull off. Mm -hmm. So I think the only one that really stands out for me is the Brachiosaurus in the beginning, where the skin just looks a little kind of almost low def. Like it's... (laughs) Polygon. The the lighting is a little incorrect. He's too well lit underneath. Yeah. You can kind of see the edges. A little bit. But... In that scene, it's the it's the actors that really fucking sell the 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 actors and John Williams. I mean, Jesus, the score sells does so much. Like the mm-hmm. it really is the whole thing, though. Like John Williams' score is obviously iconic uh, and actually iconic. I feel like everyone just says iconic, right? No, these but days. for but for real, but yeah, it's actually iconic, and it works in tandem so well with how Spielberg is able to get reactions from his stars like mm-hmm. you've got the spielberg face spielberg in face full effect here and for a very good reason they're looking at these incredible things and even though you know intellectually you look at the brachiosaurus and you know like eh, mm. it's not the best looking dinosaur yeah. you've ever seen <laughs> everyone's looking at it with such a sense of awe and mm-hmm. wonder that you're swept up in it the score hits mm-hmm. You got Sam Neill looking like that. Like, <laughs> I'm swept up in it. I don't give a shit. Right. I, every goddamn every time. time that scene plays, I get a little, like, I get goosebumps. Emotional. Yeah. I get goosebumps. And for me, like, uh, when they go, you know, off-piste to go look at the Triceratops, God bless Laura Dern for Man. a number of reasons. <laughs> Nepotism is okay now, I, I think, because for her specifically. For her specifically. Yeah. You know, she kneels down to check out the Triceratops and it's just a single beautiful tear. And <laughs> But it feels, it feels real. It feels like, oh my 
fucking God, I can't believe I'm touching this. Great actors can make something out of nothing. Like, I I don't want to say, like, you can't get a great performance out of an actor interacting with CGI. Right. It is possible, and it's been done. But there is something to be said for the fact that these actors got to work with an actual Triceratops Mm -hmm. lying there, moving around, breathing, and just looking like a real Triceratops. Like, if I were an actor, you know, I'd be a little insulted for somebody to be like, oh, you can't do a good performance in an all-CGI environment. But I would also prefer to do it with the actual creature there. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, obviously. And I think it does help. Even that little moment of Sam Neill lying on the Triceratops' stomach, I don't know if that was ever storyboarded in or they improvised on the day because it was... Like Moving had up and that down. breathing yeah. mechanism, but that's not something they could have done if it had been all CGI. Nope, not at that point in time, and probably not even recently. It yeah. doesn't look. It correct. wouldn't have looked correct. You could do it now, but it wouldn't look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just those little moments. This actually kind of like Terminator Two last time. You know, this movie is so full of little moments, just extra oh, little added cherries on top. <laughs> it's unfortunate that I don't, I don't want to dump on poor Edward Furlong because not a bad actor or anything. It's hard being a child and, and acting, but boy, Spielberg sure pulls incredible performances out of kids every fucking time, and I, I don't know how. We talked about this last time, how, you know, as truly great of a filmmaker as James Cameron is, his one weakness, at least in Terminator 2, is... Edward Furlong's performance isn't quite there, and I don't really blame Edward Furlong for that. No, and it might not even be Cameron's fault either. Maybe not. I don't know, some of those... The lines weren't great. Like, I think that's kind of two things that Spielberg inherently understands. Spielberg wasn't the screenwriter of Jurassic Park, but I have to believe he has a say in it. (laughs) Yeah, especially especially by this point. But I would also think that, like, he would be able to work with the actors on the day if a line was a little clunky. Right. He'd be able to kind of massage it out, and the guy can direct a kid. It's amazing that they aren't annoying. They aren't annoying at all. At all. I feel a great fondness for them every time I watch, even though I know exactly what's going to happen. Joe Mazzello is old now. And (laughs) I think he did an episode of Justified or something that I remember talking with Graham Yost about it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, Joey's great. Or no, it was Band of Brothers. It was Band Uh, of Brothers. So happy he... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he pops up in, like, The Social Network. Yep. Like, he's a, he's a working actor doing his thing, and it is genuinely impressive for the amount of screen time these kids have in this movie. And for the situations that they're put in, yeah. they could have been obnoxious. Yeah. You know, like, even Lex screaming is, like, it fits, it works, mm-hmm. it doesn't... Because it happens rarely. Yeah. I think that's huge. The first time that the T-Rex stuff starts happening, she doesn't actually scream, which genuinely makes a huge difference, I think. I I noticed it this time. I don't think I'd ever actually tried to clock it. You know, she gasps and is scared, and they're both scared, and the fucking flashlight, and... God, that flashlight still infuriates me. I mean... That's the most annoying they are. It's like, Lex, why'd you turn the fucking flashlight on? Turn it off. Why was it so hard to turn the fucking flashlight off? You you, You you idiot. You you do computers. But they're just so likable. And 
I love that Sam Neill's arc is like becoming cool with kids. Yeah. That's that's such a soft arc. It's just like this lovely down blanket that you wrap around yourself. It is really fun also. Like it happens fairly quickly that he basically switches over to Yeah, me. it is a little quick. I will say that. I will say that. It's less of an arc and more of a triangle. <laughs> it's uh, just kind of a hop. Yeah, but it is funny to watch him absolutely ether that kid in the beginning of the movie <laughs> and just make him shit his pants. <laughs> And then by the end, he's got, you know, the two kids sleeping on his shoulder as they fly out of the park. And it's it's very sweet. And Laura Dern's ovaries are doing the conga. <laughs> no, the Macarena. That hadn't come out yet. Oh, God. Was, I've never, I don't remember a time before the Macarena. I think that was 96. Oh, jeez. I don't know why I remember that. A formative experience. I guess, apparently. So as we said earlier, it takes an hour for kind of the action to kick off, really. Besides Spielberg just really nailing just the character development and kind of setting the stage, setting up the stakes, letting us get to know everybody. Pretty organically, too. Organically, like there's exposition and it plays out in this sort of Epcot Center-ish ride, which looks pretty lame, it looks, but, but like intentionally. Very, they really nailed the theme park aspects yeah. of this. When the action finally does start, the movie almost kind of switches over into a horror movie mm-hmm. a little bit. Like it's a monster movie. Yeah. What's so fun to watch with the T-Rex reveal is how they're in that scene the whole time. They never yes. cut away. From the point that the two Ford Explorers stop running, that's where we are. They could have cut back to Hammond uh, in the control room. They could have cut back to Nedry, who's Mm -hmm. currently driving somewhere in the park. to Laura Dern. Laura Dern, but they stay with them and they just let it play out as its own like short film. Yeah. It's what, like Uh, 10, 15 minutes or something? It's about 11 minutes. It's a full arc. Like it's, it's a full escalation from, you know, the point that the trucks break down to the truck plunging into the tree. There's just this constant build and i think you know one thing i hadn't actually picked up on but you mentioning that lex doesn't scream right away Mm -hmm. i think that's intentional because it could have been very easy for her to scream when the goat leg lands on the car i think a lesser director would have done that yeah the fact that she doesn't means by the time the t-rex is breaking through the roof of the car Mm -hmm. it's much more earned yes like there's this peril that suddenly bursts into full-on chaos yeah because it's you know, the monster, those teeth are right there. The monster has attacked. Yeah. Like it's out from under the bed yeah. and it's it's crawling mm-hmm. at you. Yeah, it's it's the release of the tension that we've been building. Yeah. And it's great tension. Mm-hmm. Like the fence getting ripped down. Like you don't actually see the T-Rex ripping the fence down. You you just see the cable snapping. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice little, like, kind of holding back. It is. And, you know, part of it is working within the limitations, yeah. too. It's kind of famous now that that scene happens at night in the rain because they needed to obscure the limitations mm-hmm. of the CGI. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it ends up kind of working in their favor where that's just a scarier way to oh yeah do it you put something in the rain at night and it automatically is kind of spooky and scary oh yeah it's the deprivation of your senses that really like triggers that animal brain fear right from that point on the last hour of the movie is kind of just a series of short films mm-hmm. almost yeah like, uh, uh, several sequences really can play on their own beginning middle and mm-hmm. end and they're fantastic Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like it's 
they all take their time to build. I think like the kitchen sequence is probably the most famous for being a horror scene, (laughs) basically. And it's the same thing where it just builds and builds and builds the tension, the tension. And then finally, after Lex hits the spoon on the ground Mm -hmm. and is trying to get into the uh, oven and shut the door, Mm -hmm. then that's the big release. Mm -hmm. And then it's just them running and trying to yeah. you know get away from the velociraptors but like just well fucking crafted man like it's funny that we've done T2 and now Jurassic Park because they both feel just so well executed on almost on pretty much every level. Yeah, they're kind of the zenith of filmmaking in so, in a lot of ways. I would say they're the zenith of big budget mm. action filmmaking, mm-hmm. at least American big budget yeah, action film. Sure. I can't think of the one movie I could say like that has been made in the last decade that measures up is Fury Road. Oh, sure, yeah. And I'm not even sure you could say it's up to the standards of Jurassic Park or Terminator 2. It might be. I'd have to think about it. I mean, it's one of my all-time favorite movies, so it's I don't want it so to fucking sound, good. I don't want it to George sound Miller. Like, yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm not praising that movie, uh, but Jurassic Park is an actual masterpiece, not just for action blockbusters, but for film in yeah. general. Yeah. It's got everything you need. There's action, there's horror, there's comedy. After the Brachiosaurus sneezes on Lex, the way this child does this is the funniest shit. For my money, it's the funniest moment in the movie where he like brings himself up to Lex and leans over and yells, God bless you. And like, it's just, there's no smugness. There's no like shit eating grin. There's no Bart Simpson about it. He's just this fine little guy. Yeah. Yeah. They have a real brother-sister relationship Mm -hmm. that comes through. That's another thing. Like, Spielberg managed to get them to act like real siblings. Yeah, without, again, being obnoxious about it. Like, when they're climbing the fence and Lex says, I'll race you to the top, and and Tim says, what would you give me? And she responds, respect. (laughs) That's a very older sister thing to say. As an older sister, I can confirm. And as a younger brother, I can confirm. Mm. Want to clarify, I'm not Steve's older sister. I have some bad news. (laughs) I got got the Hammond is kind of an interesting villain in that he's pretty good in terms of having to deal with the hubris of this kind of monstrous idea. But there is kind of a fatal flaw in the casting of Richard Attenborough. Don't you agree? Yeah, it's funny that you even said the word villain because I've never really... Grandpa! (laughs) I've never thought of Hammond as a villain. Yeah. But he is. Like, technically, in terms of the actions of the character, the fact that he is the kind of instigation for this whole thing, he is, for all intents and purposes, the villain of the film. Mm -hmm. But Richard Attenborough seems like a lovely old man. He's a grandpa. He's he's our grand. He's all of our grandpa. He's everyone's grandpa. And as much as I love him and his performance in this, if there's one criticism I have of Jurassic Park, it's too subtle in his sort of comeuppance, which I don't know, sounds silly, like, because ultimately his park is destroyed. He loses it all. Like he has to flee with Mm. the rest of them. You don't get a real sense of like, feels like he's going to land on his feet. Right. Which is kind of true to life. I suppose this, uh, this will just be a giant tax write-off for, for InGen, I guess. Yeah. You kind of want something a little more. You kind of want, I don't necessarily need mustache twirling, but He's just so cuddly. 
He's so cuddly. Like the one scene where he seems to have sort of a come to Jesus moment, sort of a comeuppance is the melting ice cream scene. Oh God, it's simply too sad for me to watch, it's, honestly. He and did he, leave. I did actually leave the room because there's just something about sad people eating too much food. When you add in that it's melting ice cream, there's just something about it that it ruins me. Hmm. I don't know what that is. Yeah, and I think even in that scene where you've got Laura Dern kind of dressing him down and being yeah. like, dude, you, you never had control. This is, this is a giant fuck up. It's all an illusion. Like, you fucked up. Even that scene doesn't feel like it quite nails that this guy is kind of an idiot. Yeah. You know, you never get the sense that Hammond is an idiot. As much as everyone kind of contradicts and it, him. It, that's the thing is like the movie does show us that he is at several points and yet I think it's because Richard Attenborough is too urbane yeah. and full of gravitas for us to truly buy that he's kind of a, a dum-dum yeah. who did stand on the shoulders of giants. He hired a bunch of scientists and created these incredible scientific breakthroughs but like most of the work had already been done. Mm. His first thought in doing this was to open a theme park. Right. Having a theme park that is understaffed, kind of non-union, that's, it, and like, it would seem. That's one of the things that I think is too subtle, perhaps, yeah. is Hammond keeps saying we spared no expense, and the movie tells us... He spared he, a lot of expense. He obviously spared a lot of expense. Again, it's not that the movie isn't telling us this, but you go, oh, Grandpa. It is kind of overt in saying all this stuff. It like, is. He should have had more than one computer guy. I mean, for God's sake. And even even in the scene with Laura Dern and the sad ice cream, the end of the scene is her eating the ice cream and going, ah, eh, it's really good. I'm not saying it lets him off the hook, but it's a slightly different ending to the scene than... Than her like storming out yeah. or being like, we've got to rescue everybody, you fool. You sit here eating, you're being sad and eating your ice cream and we go fucking do something. Yeah. So I don't know, like kind of feels like it should have been somebody who could be a little more bumbling and a little uh, mm-hmm. more clueless and not quite such a lovable Santa Claus figure. Yeah, he's such a Santa Claus. That's maybe the one little misstep of the whole movie. And yeah. what, Although, with that being said, what's interesting is all the sequels have had much more villainous villains, mm-hmm. and none of them have been particularly memorable. None Yikes. of them have really been all that great. So, not really sure what the answer there is. Right. You know, you don't have to go full Verhoeven with your politics no. in, in your Jurassic Park movie. A little sprinkle of yeah. might have been good. Because <laughs> it is still amazing to me that this whole movie just thoroughly ethering the concept of theme parks and merchandising every last little bit of your experience at those parks. Yeah, wringing every dollar out of you. Was promptly embraced by Universal itself. Uh, so being from Central Florida, I I went to Universal Studios Florida a few times. It was the cool park once uh, Islands of Adventure was open. It had the cool roller coasters and so it was cooler than Disney. Then they had the Jurassic Park ride and they have a restaurant that looks exactly like the Visitor's Center in the movie and you can get you know, your giant dinosaur legs, which are just, you know, those big 
turkey legs. Capitalism finds a way. <laughs> those are actual dinosaur legs in a way. I guess, yeah. Yeah. When you think about it. It's it's true. Makes you think. I've never been to Universal Orlando or Hollywood. No, I guess we could actually we could. go. I've driven by it a couple of times. Yeah. It's expensive. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't really want to go. I don't really care to go. It is funny that for all the Jurassic movies, I'll actually touch on this when we talk about the sequels, but like Jurassic Park kind of becomes all that it purports to hate in that it just was and continues to be a massive marketing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much merchandise. The movie made a billion dollars worldwide and more in all its merchandise. It was a cash cow. Because the merch was good. The merch was it's, too it's good. Dinosaurs. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah, it was dinosaurs. The logo looked fucking cool. Still looks cool. Still looks cool. They did too good a job. Yeah. And I know they kind of had to because you have to believe that this is a thing that someone would put a lot of fucking money towards. When uh, Gennaro says, we're going to make a fortune with this place, you can hear the executives at Universal saying the exact same thing. Absolutely. It is interesting to see a movie like Jurassic Park that is so... Uh, heralded for its effects Mm -hmm. to mostly be practical effects. Mm -hmm. Like there is a fair amount of, you know, CGI with the dinosaurs, Mm -hmm. but there's more practical. Mm -hmm. And it's... And those those are the things that you remember that you just continue to leave your jaw hanging open when the t-rex's whole giant head is down in that car yeah. pressing against the glass and the kids have their, their little limbs yep. trying to press against it that's visceral it's real it's actually sort of a famous moment because like the animatronics operators kind of overdid it and hit the glass harder Jesus. than they intended to and almost crushed the Jesus. actors probably the i think it was stunt Yeah. I don't think it was the actual kids in that shot. But like having that thing bearing down on Mm -hmm. you would probably help your performance quite a bit. Jesus, yeah. It looks great because it was real. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really love about this movie, though, is that everyone is just kind of a person. Like, don't get me wrong. There are people who are very good at their jobs. You know, Alan is very good at his job. Sattler is good at her job. I guess Ian is good. I don't, yeah, it's unclear what his job I, even he, is. So he seem to whatever. Have a Muldoon is okay at he's his job. He's good at his job. Although he does get eaten. But he does quickly, get eaten. So. Well, in his defense, he's never really faced a, a raptor, you know? Um, you watch the training manual. On that one, buddy. <laughs> Their skill set is within the realm of reality. Yeah. And I really, really appreciate that. And then there's just a bunch of dumb, you know. Well, there's your Nedries, your Hammonds, you know. And people who are simply not very good at their jobs, yeah. which is most people. Right. That is very true to life. But yeah, it's it's not a bunch of people who suddenly can do parkour and... Uh, <laughs> Laura Dern does a little bit of parkour. I think just because if you're six feet and blonde, you just automatically know parkour. <laughs> I think that just... Is that how tall she is? She is six feet in spirit, if not in truth. Yeah. I actually don't know how tall she is. She just seems tall. I bet she's at least 5'10". Oh, shit. Oh, she's 5'10". <laughs> yes. 5'10 is female six feet. That is. It actually is. Step on Steve, Laura Dern. (laughs) I wouldn't say no to being stepped on. No one would say no to being stepped on by Laura Dern, okay? But yeah, like nobody knows uh, martial arts or how to fire a gun really well. Uh, So it is just like people in a tough situation, a Mm -hmm. sticky situation trying (laughs) to get out. And I would like more of that. Yeah. Just like just a bunch of people. people. And they all just look like people. I mean, they're still hot. Right. Because it is. Of course. 
They're all hot. It is film. They're all going to be hot, but there's like this approachable hotness to them. They don't look smooth. Yeah. Even like Laura Dern looks beautiful in this movie. I don't. She has a glow about her Mm -hmm. and her skin does look fairly smooth, but not in a... Not in a weird... Not in a weird stretched out way that everyone include Like everyone over the age of 20 these days uh, who is an actor looks smooth like stretched out yeah. smooth their body is trying to escape their skin it's yeah. all just sort of pushing on their skin in a weird way that's yeah kind of unpleasant whereas this is just like oh you've got a you've got good skin yeah or, oh you're sam neil and you've got you've got a little weathered yeah you're what like 40 maybe i don't know how old he was in that but he's 40 in spirit in the same way that laura dern is six feet Sam Neill is 40, and he'll always be 40. Also, I mean, I know everyone already knows that he was in this, but we were remarking on Samuel L. Jackson and how the guy has had a run for the past 30 years. It's pretty pretty remarkable. Like, starting in the early 90s and never stopping. He's just been in movie after movie, and he's been in a lot of great movies. Really, really great movies. I mean, to have this come out in 93 and then Pulp Fiction come out literally the next year. What's been interesting about Samuel L. Jackson is that while he's done a fair share of not very good movies, that's kind of just because he's done so many. Whereas like a lot of aging movie stars end up doing kind of these cash grab paydays, like Mm. Bruce Willis will show up for a day and get paid a million dollars to be in these direct to Netflix movies that no one's ever heard of. And to my knowledge, Samuel L. Jackson never really took that approach. I mean, he's obviously got the Marvel movies, but he's also doing a bunch of other stuff all the time. And most of them still end up in theaters or at least are some kind of larger release that you know about. I feel like even with a movie like Snakes on a Plane, he's still bring in his A-game to that, you know? Yeah, Snakes on a Plane was a weird one because it was sort of the first... It was a meme movie. It was a meme movie, and it's an interesting... But not in a good way. ...sort of cautionary tale about what would become a fandom. When you put marketing before even having an actual movie. And when you listen to people on the internet in the first place. Never listen to people on the internet, including us. Especially us. Especially us. We don't know shit. And now for our thoughts on the sequels and what's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And how we would fix them. The sequels that I haven't even... Oh, we we did watch one together. Uh, We watched Jurassic World. Yes. Uh, So I thought like, oh, you know what? I should rank all the Jurassic movies uh, and you know do sort of my list of, of from best to worst oh yeah sure and it turns out my ranking also just so happens to be chronological oh wow so it actually is Jurassic Park Lost World Jurassic Park 3 Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom in that order <laughs> Yeah, they just have gotten worse with every movie. I feel like I can breeze over Lost World pretty quickly. Lost World has a lot of really great elements. There's some excellent action sequences. It's actually a pretty damn good cast. It's pretty fun. Bringing the T-Rex to San Diego was stupid. Everyone kind of dinged the movie for that Mm. at the time, and that's kind of correct. Yeah. It's silly. That part's bad, but pretty much... Almost all the stuff on the island is pretty great. Weirdly, it might be one of the worst child performances in a Spielberg Oh, damn. The girl who plays Ian Malcolm's daughter is just a little clunky in some of her line delivery. Still not bad, especially compared to a lot of child performances. It's got some good stuff. And that's why it's second after Jurassic (laughs) Park. Jurassic Park 3, I think a lot of people consider the worst of the whole franchise, and I disagree. So Jurassic Park 3 
was the first of the series to not be directed by Spielberg. He handed it off to Joe Johnston, who was sort of an acolyte of his. Uh, He had done some pretty good movies up to that point. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, Jumanji, October Sky, and then he did Jurassic Park 3. I mean, God, a lot of those are so fucking good. Right. So he's a good director. And I think what he did that I kind of like that doesn't get maybe the recognition it deserves is he kind of made it almost like a B-movie monster movie. It's got a lot of monster movie elements to it. It's much smaller than the first two films. Like they kind of knew that they didn't have the same pedigree that the first two films had. I think they just knew because Spielberg wasn't going to be involved that it was going to be a lesser film. But they worked within those limitations and like the dinosaurs all look great in it. They still used a lot of animatronics. Mm. They brought in the Spinosaurus sort of to replace the T-Rex. And the Spinosaurus looks fucking amazing. Mm. It's a great design. He's a cool sinister looking dinosaur some of the action sequences are really good the cast is probably the weakest link i don't like what they did with sam neill's character they make him a little bumbling and a little kind of like desperate in a weird way like especially after how good he is in the first film it feels like a little bit of a betrayal to his character and then you've got william h macy and taylor leone there and that's weird They're sort of this bickering couple that are trying to find their missing son, and it doesn't really oh doesn't really work. So it's not a great movie, but it's the third best of the series. Oh and then we get into the reboot with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. That's where you kind of run into the problem of people not simply being people. Chris Pratt is he is the best trainer. He's the only trainer who can who can corral the. And it's like no, we well, can't have him having some special connection to the fucking rap. I just... That is actually one thing that Jurassic Park 3, I think, introduced that really hampers the whole series, which is that was the first film where they started to treat the velociraptors as too smart. God. Rather than just being clever pack animals, they basically become plot machines where they are as smart as the script needs them to be for the thing to happen. Yeah, from Uh, scene to scene. Yeah, and the third one is pretty big offender for that, but then they really lean into a Jurassic world and they are basically trained dogs running around and it's very silly and like what's unfortunate is that Jurassic World has a great premise and has some interesting things that I think it wants to say but its execution just never comes close yeah. like not only is Colin Trevorrow no Spielberg he's not even a Joe Johnston we all love Jumanji <laughs> Jumanji's great yeah you should do that some yeah. point. filmed in the town that I went to college in I forgot about <laughs> yeah anyway that'll be for the Jumanji episode Jurassic World you know, has the great premise of what if the park was open? And there is some interesting sort of digs at the commercialization of these animals and just how tacky and and shitty theme parks are, which is interesting since it was very much universal, like in its heyday at that point. Yeah. But the park looks bad. It looks like kind of a bad Orlando suburb. (laughs) It's ugly and garish and hot and just filled with brands and... Utterly soulless. Yeah, filled with chains, like there's a Margaritaville. Yeah. Uh, 
And like, I think some of that is actually intentional, that they are actually trying to make some sort of real commentary about just how bad a company that owns dinosaurs would actually be. Yeah. And I do actually really like Vincent D'Onofrio as the villain in that. I think he's probably the best villain of the series in terms of actually being a villain who's fun to watch. Mm -hmm. He still kind of doesn't need to be there. Like, he's not the main instigator of the whole thing. He just sort of shows up to saunter around. Right. And he is funny. I like him. He's great. Yeah, I'll never say no to (laughs) D'Onofrio. More like D'Onofrio, yes. D'Onofrio, Yeah, like he's the best part of the movie. Chris Pratt is just too capable in this movie, like you said. Like He's, he's not a guy. He's not a guy. He doesn't have an arc. He doesn't he's really... Borderline superhero. Yeah, the, he doesn't really do anything other than be heroic. Bryce Dallas Howard is supposed to kind of have the Sam Neill arc of learning to love kids. Oh, which like but, works with Sam Neill because like there is kind of this strain of not allowing men to be loving and affectionate. Right. Whereas with a woman, you're just reasserting like every stereotype that goes along with being a woman well being a career career yeah yeah you have to it's like well no no you you have to love the children right why are you so focused on your career when you could be focused on child rearing and so yeah there's some kind of icky uh gender love that happening with with her character it's also just a weird character why does she have that bob why is she always in heels like what's kind of what's her deal yeah it's a little strange And not to mention that arc that we just talked about where she learns to love kids kind of never happens. She doesn't really ever learn to love the kids. Well, she doesn't really interact with them that much. She doesn't spend any time with them. Yeah. Uh, Except at the end, sort of in the third act, they all reconvene. But then she just hands them off to their parents, and that's that. That's it. So, I don't know. Jurassic World is not very good. There are a couple of moments that I enjoy still. I've watched it several times, but... (laughs) <laughs> it's it's only because I'm a sucker for dinosaur movies. I'll watch anything that involves dinosaurs. I've seen King Kong, the uh, 2005 Peter Jackson King Kong, several times. Oh. Mostly because I've watched the scenes with the dinosaurs. I was going to say, God, that movie is 18 hours yeah. long. Well, I don't watch any other parts of it. I yeah. watch the Skull you just, Island. It's the same with the Fantasia. Yeah. You just, you're just... Oh, it is. I'm just fast forwarding to the dinosaur Aww. part. But with all that being said, the one movie that I have only seen once and will only see once is Fallen Fucking Kingdom. The worst of the franchise and one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh my goodness. It's impossibly... Do I need to watch this? Maybe. You're not the only person who's been like, it's incomprehensibly bad. It's just so overwhelmingly awful that it's sort of a sight to behold. Yeah, you kind of want to deconstruct... What happened there? Do an autopsy. Yeah, because it's like the director had done some good stuff. It's uh, J.A. Bayona. He'd done a lot of TV like Penny Dreadful and he'd done The Orphanage, which is a good movie that was produced by Guillermo del Toro. Like horror, he, you know. Yeah, cool he had stuff. done some good stuff. And maybe the only kind of interesting stuff in Fallen Kingdom is when it has some sort of horror elements mm-hmm. with the, it's not the Indominus Rex, that's from the last it's one. the I-Raptor? I- I-Raptor, Indoraptor. Indoraptor. It's the Indoraptor, which like, God, the lack of Can, imagination and like, there. Yes, that is a reflection of the lack of creativity at play in most corporate environments. But can we maybe try? 
Can we try? Because, like, the Indominus Rex itself was a reflection of the lack of creativity. Yeah. Like, it was, it's very specifically called out as being focus grouped. Yeah. And Chris Pratt's character laughs at the name, and, like, it is treated as a joke. So we've already made that point. We've yeah, already we've said had... <laughs> So then with the Indoraptor, it's like, so you made a smaller version of the Indominus. Why not just have a Velociraptor at this point? Like, what's so great about this thing? It's... Not as big and intimidating as a T-Rex. It's not as small and, and speedy as a Velociraptor. What's good about it? It fucking sucks. And roasted. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to get into the plot of it other than to say, like, nothing about it makes any sense. Like, none of the characters and their decisions make any fucking sense. Oh, the character design for this is not great. It's not good. The, yeah, it the Indoraptor weird. looks weird and shitty. So I guess this all leads up to the new Jurassic World film coming out this summer forgot that they were doing another one i think it was supposed to come out last year but the pandemic and everything so it's called jurassic world dominion which is only a slightly less dumb name than fallen kingdom only slightly what's weird about these names is they sound like they already happened like they sound like they were from movies that like Jurassic Park sequels that came out like 20 years ago. I wish they had. Maybe they would have been better. Dominion is bringing back Sam Neill and Laura Dern along with along with Jeff Goldblum. And, you know, great. Glad to have the, the old gang back together again. But I'm not confident. Sam Neill is 74 years old. They're all getting up there. And <laughs> it, it just feels like a nostalgia grab in the worst kind of way. Like, I'm happy to see these guys. I'm excited by the prospect. And here's the thing. I'm going to see this fucking movie. I am going to see it. I'm going to see it in the theater. You don't have to come with me. But like, (laughs) Maybe I will. It is sort of my Achilles heel is I am starved for dinosaur content. (laughs) Oh, no. Don't call it content. Sorry. I feel like the Jurassic movies at this point are content. Mm. Like, they're not real movies. Mm. But I, I enjoy dinosaurs so much. And Jurassic Park, the original film left such an impression on me that I think I'm going to give these goddamn things the benefit of the doubt until the day I die. Like, I think I am always just going to see these stupid fucking movies. I do the same thing with Godzilla movies. It's true. The Godzilla movies have never been good. Are you secretly a masochist? I don't I mean, I don't I'm fully not sure, understand. I'm not sure it's a secret. <laughs> I think it's just out there in the open. And like, what's so frustrating is these movies always make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not the Godzilla movies, they don't do that well. But the Jurassic movies all do incredibly well. And I don't understand why the market hasn't been saturated by dinosaur movies in the same way that it has with superhero movies. It is a little weird. That feels like a monkey's paw thing where if it actually came true, it would probably be terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember enjoying superhero movies in the early 2000s and look where we are now. Mm. So, Oh, so this is your fault, I think. It's see. my fault. It's my fault that I liked Spider-Man 2. Uh, <laughs> oh, we all we liked all, Spider-Man 2. Everybody likes Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I don't want to say, like, I want a bunch of other dinosaur franchises, but maybe, like, one other one. Another one that actually is capable of being good. Should should we write a dinosaur movie? I have written a dinosaur you movie. You have written a dinosaur. It's a fun script. I think it's a pretty good script. I think it's very fun. Yeah, you deserve... A dinosaur movie, not dinosaur content. You deserve better. You know, in rewatching Jurassic Park just now, the sense of awe and 
scale and joy joy and like the goosebumps that i mm-hmm. still get in several scenes throughout the film i get that some of that is nostalgia but also like i've always felt that way when watching this movie and i think it's just because it's so well crafted the score the performances the animatronics the cgi yeah. it all works together to just be a well crafted film that is memorable and makes you feel something i like feeling things I like feeling. I things. want movies to make me feel things. Yeah. Jurassic World, uh, or pretty much all the movies since Jurassic Park, have forgotten that that's like kind of the main point is mm-hmm. to make you feel things. They've in fact Jurassic Parked themselves, basically. They destroyed themselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They have become the Jurassic Park. Well, and that's kind of the funny thing about Jurassic World is in its critique of the whole premise, it has become it what becomes it, the what thing. it critiques. Yeah. You cannot disassemble the master's house with the master's tools. Wow. Makes you think. That makes it sound like I've read books, but honestly, <laughs> I, I just I just picked that up from Twitter, I think. Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good way of uh, describing that because I sort of have a theory that the Indominus Rex in particular is... Jurassic World Mm -hmm. in that it's this sort of creature built in a lab for maximum ROI that hates itself and doesn't know what it is or what it even wants to be. Mm -hmm. It's not really a dinosaur. The characters say that in the movie. They're like, it's not a real dinosaur. This thing's fake. And it's like, you're saying that about the movie. movie. Like, this isn't the real Jurassic Park. This is some bad knockoff. But the problem is in saying that, like, so why am I watching this? Exactly. Like, oh, great. So you're making me watch this sort of second-rate version of a thing I love and just reminding me of the thing I love. Yeah. It's difficult to go wrong with sincerity, I feel, yeah. when you're making a movie. And if you point out the cynicism at play, plenty of people are into that. And and at first blush, it seems like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, you're right. calling out the thing. But then you're like, what is the fucking point? Well, it's one thing to have a little meta commentary here and there, a little wink at the audience from time to time. But Jurassic World in particular is like, oops, all meta commentary. Yeah. And it's just winking at the That's at the a lot audience. of movies now, yeah. too. There's, I'm kind of tired of it. I'm exhausted. I, I can't stand it. And I, I hate it. Yep. And, uh, you know, I would love for Dominion to come out of the gate swinging and just give me a good old-fashioned romp that also not only is fun but makes me feel things, has a sense of awe and scale and wonder. Because, like, I think a lot of people think, like, well, the reason we don't feel the same way is because we've seen, you know, special effects, blah, blah, blah. We've seen it all. It's like, no. No, actually. it's the framing of the shots. It's the framing. It's how you actually have the characters interact with the animals Mm -hmm. that sells it Mm -hmm. if you have like all the characters in jurassic world are just like dinosaurs right what a pile of shit oh gross i i hate dinosaurs this is bullshit everyone looks so over it the entire time no one there's no character in any of the world movies who acts as the audience surrogate to be like holy shit look at these great dinosaurs isn't this amazing instead the audience surrogate is nick miller from Uh, new girl. What's his Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson. Great. I mean, I love Jake Johnson. But also, I feel like probably even the people who know Jake Johnson sometimes call him Nick Miller. Sure. His wife calls him Nick Miller <laughs> sometimes. Like, I love Jake Johnson, but his role in that movie is to be the audience being like, oh, get a load of this. He's wearing a fucking Jurassic Park shirt no. in the movie. It's really obnoxious because it's like, no, don't tell me that this shit sucks and the other thing was better. What are you doing? Why, why am I here? Why did I give you... 
twenty dollars. Yeah, I will forever hope that the next one will be good, and maybe someday it will be. Maybe someday we'll get another good dinosaur movie, or we'll make one, or we'll make one. I mean, sure, we could do that. You know, if anyone's listening who wants to give me the reins to the Jurassic franchise or wants to hear my pitch on a new one, I'll, we'll put the, the phones email. are open. <laughs> yeah. I'll put my email in the uh, <laughs> description. <laughs> I think we've said just about all there is about how great Jurassic Park is and what an indelible mark it left on a lot of people. Very much on me. Probably more than any other movie has ever left a mark on me. It's actually kind of like Terminator 2 last week where, speaking of all the sequels and the reboots and everything, the goodwill for this movie might be limitless in that we keep allowing them to make new movies and we keep seeing them and keep being like, eh, no, mm. but it doesn't change the fact that we all still love this movie. Mm-hmm. Movies used to be able to be good enough that you could just feast off of that corpse for the, <laughs> for the rest the, of your Jesus, career. Yeah. Like Universal can just keep pumping this shit out. Mm-hmm. And maybe someday they'll find some you know new screenwriter, new director who actually understands what everyone loves so yeah. much about Jurassic Park. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Bye.